have a very special guest with us today. I'm very, very excited to, to welcome, and in just a moment, he's going to come up, Pastor Ray Tate. Uh, Pastor Ray is uh, one of those, uh, he's, he's, he blurs lines for me because uh, he's someone I've looked up to for many years as a, a tremendous pastor and, and just someone who's really done it well, and, and through the years, pastored in Connecticut and in uh, let's see, Cherry Hill and Point Pleasant and, yeah, up in Wyckoff, uh, New Jersey, probably other places, like 10 other places I'm missing, but those are the places I know about, but through the years. Um, but then my sister married his son, and so now his son's my brother-in-law. So Jen, those of you know Jen, who's, who's led worship, her husband, RJ, is, uh, is Pastor Ray's son. So it's, it's kind of like family it's, it's just, it blurs lines, I'm telling you, it's complicated, but the, the, the thing about that is then I get to see who he really is, not just platform pastor, but who he is behind the scenes, and I just probably, I mean, listen, an incredible pastor, but probably better behind, behind the scenes than on a platform, just so grateful for Pastor Ray, for what he's meant to our family, uh, just the kind of man that he is. Um, his wife, Patty, could not be here today, uh, let's keep them in prayer, her mom, who's 95, had a uh, broke, her, broke her leg uh, and had major surgery second time. So just trying to navigate that. So they're in South Carolina taking care. So she would be here today. Patty, um, Patty, would you have more fun if she talked? Because we don't know what she would say. So uh, hopefully we'll get them back and you get to hear from Patty. But she's just fantastic. But uh, just can we give a warm life tree welcome to Pastor Ray? And Pastor Ray, would you come and share with us this morning? Thank you, Pastor Dan. It is a joy to be with you this morning. Life Tree. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking at Life Chapel, which is the uh, church that my wife Patty and I retired after 40 years of vocational ministry. We retired this June. Well, this month is four years ago now. And um, so it seems like every church I speak in now has to have the word life in it in order for me to be able to come. Uh, you guys can turn me down just a little bit because I think you'll have more than enough volume uh, from hearing my voice. Uh, we are family with Pastor Dan and Anna and uh, Cheryl. Great to see you. I didn't know you'd be here this morning. It's wonderful to uh, have such family as this. The Lord was very gracious to us to connect us with this family. Thank you, Danielle, for your help this week. Thank you, Nikki and Kevin, for leading us into the praise and worship of our holy God this morning. Um, I am here as a fellow follower of Christ. The greatest honor that we ever will have is to be known as children of God. And so today, as we look into the word of the Lord, uh, I want you to know that I've spent a lot of time praying, asking God that he would help me this morning to communicate something that would truly be of benefit to you. I don't want you to leave uh, thinking that was a good, medium, or poor sermon. I, my prayer is that you will leave saying, hey, we've, we've heard from the Lord through his word today, and it helps us to go out and to live our life for him. Let's pray. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pause at the beginning of this which you've put in my heart to share today to make space and time and room for your Holy Spirit to help me as a communicator and help each person in this congregation today not only that we might listen to hear but help us all Lord to be doers of your word both in the difficult portions of scripture that are challenging but also Lord in those parts of your word that are hard for us to receive because we always strive to do it on our own so we want to receive from you so that we can be empowered by you to go out and live for you. And so we ask you today, feed us from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Most of the passages will be there. And I want to open with a passage found in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verses 9 uh, through 11. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. And I love verse 11. Let us do our best to enter that rest. Such interesting words. Let us do our best to enter into the rest that God has said is available only to his children. Now, I, I heard that uh, Pastor Dan has been doing a series of messages on manna. And so, uh, and I love the byline, there's manna for that. And so two weeks ago when I shared the word that the Lord had put in my heart at uh, Life Chapel, it was on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and so uh, I used, kind of used your byline, and I titled my message two weeks ago, There's Dunamis, or Power, for that. And uh, there's such application that can go along with that theme. So in preparation for today, Pastor Dan was very gracious. He said, hey, you can, you can share on manna, you can share whatever you want. We can have communion, or we can do it next week. He couldn't have been more you know, flexible, which made it actually more difficult, actually, because what should I do, you know? And so I just began to pray, and the Lord has put a word in my heart. I've titled the message today, Creation, Manna, and the Lord's Supper. When I told my wife the title, she said, you're going to be there a long time. So I promise to do my best to not keep you too long. Um, follow with me, if you would. Let's look at creation for just a moment. The, the question is, what do creation, manna, and the Lord's Supper all have in common? And I trust that the message will help us to connect those dots. Creation, Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 25. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. The Lord saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Let me ask you a question quickly. How many gods are there? One God. And yet, we see a hint here in the first chapter of Genesis 
of this one God who exists as a triune God. Because the word Elohim means it's God in the plural, and so let us make man in our image to be like us. Let me just pause and say, you and I were made in the image of our Heavenly Father to be like him. And so it goes on. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on earth, the small animals that scurry. And so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now when we get to verse 29, I want you to know that as I was preparing for this message, how many of you have ever had, whether it's in a public meeting or whether you're alone or with a small group of people, have ever had an encounter with the presence of of God by his Holy Spirit. Let me see, raise your hands. You've had an encounter with the presence of God. I want you to know that as I was preparing this message to share, the Lord blessed me with another encounter with his presence. And it came in verse, 20, in verse 29, which sometimes it just amazes me how the Lord surprises us when he shows up. I would not have expected this at verse 29. Listen to what verse 29 says. Then God said, look, that means pay attention. I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Now, it wasn't, I love food. It wasn't food that got, got me. It was the word given. And if you have your Bibles with you today, I would love for you to underscore and make note in your Bible where God says, for I have given you. And as I paused, it was almost like in my mind's eye, I went back to my childhood and just began to quickly think through my life. And what went from a moment of studying to prepare for a sermon turned into a season of thankfulness and praise to the Lord because I realized all that I am, all that I have or hold in my hands has been given to me by my gracious, loving Father. And I want us, as we're going through these three categories this morning, to keep at the front of our minds today this thought, God has given you everything. All that you have, all that you are, has come as a gift from him. And he said, I've given every green plant as food for the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry. Everything that has life. And this is how or what happened. And then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. Evening passed, morning came, marking the sixth day. So all that we are, 
has been given to us as a gift by God. I think that one of the great uh, tricks of both our own flesh that we live in and, and of the enemy of our lives, Satan himself, one of his great tricks or attacks in our lives is to make us unthankful for who we are. Ungrateful. And we can tend at times to look to others and say, oh, if I only had what they had or if I was only made more like that. And I want to just encourage you this morning, all that you are was in the heart of your heavenly Father. He made you special, unique, as you are for his glory and for his honor. The word given there in the Hebrew is like the name that we would use today, Nathan, and it, has, it carries this meaning. When it says, I have given you, the Lord is saying, I have caused to come your way. Or I have bestowed upon you. Or I have brought to you all that you have and all that you are. And so, creation. Secondly, let's look at manna. In Exodus chapter 16, how many weeks have you done the series, Pastor Dan, on manna? Six weeks. Though This would be the seventh on that theme or subject of manna. He said he'll be done in about six months. On No, just kidding. Exodus 16, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Tell them in the evening. Oh, by the way, it doesn't say prayers there. It says, I've heard their complaints. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I want you to know that the Lord sees and hears everything that is either spoken by us or that is hidden in our hearts. He knows. So why do we try to hide from him? Why do we try to present something other than who we really are? And I would have thought in this context that when the Lord heard them complaining, that he would have said, well, I'll show you. As sometimes as parents, we would treat our own children. But he showed them such grace and mercy in this moment. Uh, do you realize that the, the children of Israel were in captivity to Egypt because they had fallen away from God, they had rebelled, they had sinned, turned their back, and the Lord said, I'm going to hand you over. They were enslaved. While they were enslaved, they began to say, oh, this is too hard for us. And they began to cry out, oh, Lord, forgive us and help us. And so he comes in and he uses Moses as his voice, as, as envoy, to help lead them out of captivity. Uh, it just so happened that about a week and a half ago, my wife and I were in Lancaster and we, we went to see the, the play Moses at Sight and Sound with a group of people from our church. So it, it was interesting to look at these verses again after having seen that and kind of portraying it in real life, if you will. And so the children of Israel had not, listen to this, after all the miracles that God did to free them from the Egyptian captivity, it wasn't even one month that they were in the, in the wilderness on their way to the promised land that they began to complain with these words. 
I wish I was back in Egypt. When we lived there, oh, we had all the food we wanted. We had everything. They totally forgot the captivity and that they were actually slaves in the land of Egypt. Sometimes this can happen to us in our walk with the Lord. The Lord meets us in our life, wherever you were when you came to know the Lord, you can sometimes look back and remember what he pulled you out of. But sometimes we look back and say, oh, if I only. I want to remind you today that when the Lord sets you free from something, he has something better for you. Don't always think of going back when we walk with Christ. He always wants us to move forward and continue to grow and walk with him. And so the Lord heard their complaint. And so he said to Moses, tell them in the evening you'll have meat to eat. In the morning you'll have all the bread that you want. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And so that evening vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were, what's the next word there? Say it. They were puzzled. They didn't understand what was going on when they saw this. What is it, they asked each other. And as I'm sure you've heard in the series, the word manna literally means, what is it? They were puzzled and they asked, what is it? They had no idea what it was. Now, I want, you to, I want you to see yourself, and I saw myself so much, too much in preparing this message. We ask the Lord for his help. And then he sends it to us. We don't even recognize that he has sent the help. We don't even understand that this was his answer to our request. What is it? We're so confused. And look, I love Moses. You know, Moses told them. I, I sometimes wonder how he told them. Because one thing we know for sure, and, and probably you and I can relate, there were times where Moses was so angry and fed up with how fickle the, the people were. And he said to them, hey, it's the food that the Lord has given you to eat. And so these are the instructions. Each household would gather as much as it needs, pick up two quarts per person. The people of Israel did as they were told. Now, you don't see those words often. Right? <laughs> Again, if you have your Bible, underscore that line. This is key because of what was about to happen. They obeyed. And I, I, you know, I thought to myself, how many times in my life were there moments where I just disobeyed the Lord and then the, what you could imagine happened and then I seemed so confused. Why am I in this mess? But they obeyed the Lord and they followed the instruction that had been given to them. And so when they had met, verse 18, when they had measured it out, each one had just enough. And those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered a little had enough 
And again, here are words to underscore. Each family had just what it needed. I want you to know we serve a miracle-working God. If we will follow his instructions in this life, I can tell you not because I was a vocational pastor for 40 years or not because I was a pastor's kid, somewhat rebellious in my teen years, saying I will never be a pastor until the day that I felt the Lord asking me to be one. And saying yes was one of the biggest challenges that I had faced because I watched my mom and dad, who are both with the Lord in the past year, they've both gone to be with the Lord. In fact, in two days, it'll be one year that my dad passed away and went to be with Jesus. I watched their lives. I saw the cost, the price that was paid to follow the Lord in ministry. But I also saw the reward. And it was only when I became an adult that I can remember my parents sitting down to explain to us how little they actually had in terms of money, finance, uh, things when we, were, when we were growing up. But do you know something? To their credit, I always thought that we were the richest family in town. Why? Because... They made a choice to obey the Lord in how they were going to live their lives. And as a result of that, and I can speak, this is in the form of a testimony from when I was a child and a young person, as a result of my parents' obedience, our family always had just enough. So I, I want to just encourage you today, you know, if we will follow the Lord and obey his, his word. And the only way that we can know whether or not we're doing that, you, you see me just look at my clock? That means nothing. I don't even know when I started. I don't know when I should finish. I'm, I Forgive me, Pastor Dan, you need to help me. You need to give me signals. Um, wh what I want to say to you is, if you will obey him, whether you are uh, here as a single person or whether you're uh, married, widowed, divorced, uh, whether you have children, no children, this, this cuts across all of those identifying factors. I want to just say, brothers and sisters, life tree family community, if we will simply... Follow the Lord's instructions. We will always have enough. Always. You say, but you don't know. I, I'm about to lose this or maybe I've lost that. I, I don't know where you're at today, but I know that your Heavenly Father loves you and He has promised that He will care for you. And that has not only to do with finance, it has to do with every area of your life. Lord, help us that we might follow your instruction even when we don't like or understand or wish to obey. Can I get one amen?
<laughs> That's the only time I'll ask for an amen. I, I just needed that. We're, we're almost, we're getting there, guys, okay? Each family had just what it needed. How beautiful. So then Moses told them, don't keep any of it till morning. But some of them didn't listen. They kept some of it till morning. But by then, it was full of maggots, and it had a terrible smell, and Moses was very angry with them. And after this, the people gathered the food morning by morning. Each family had according to its need, and as the sun became hot, the flakes uh, that were left over melted away and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two, then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He said, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest. A holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. I want you to just make a, a little note in your own thinking They, they had to do twice as much gathering on Saturday, or on for, that would be for us, on the day before the Sabbath. They had to do twice as much. Why? So that when the Sabbath day came, they had enough food and they could enter into complete rest. This is a whole subject in and of itself of rest. We have an American, stick with me with this, we have a, an American work ethic, but we do not have an American rest ethic. We praise people who will sacrifice all of the hours of their life, the quality hours of their life, in work. We praise them in our culture. But when a person makes a declaration to simply obey and follow God when it comes to the idea of a Sabbath rest, that person often is criticized and made to feel guilty. You should be doing something all the time. And I'm here to tell you what God has told us. Did you know that when in the Ten Commandments, did you know that the one out of ten commandments that has the distinction of the most words and instruction? is the commandment on remember the Sabbath. It has more words than it does on adultery or murder or stealing or all of the others. All of the other nine. The one that has the most words from our Heavenly Father that He wants to make sure that we will grasp and we will adhere to was on the Sabbath day. He said it's holy, it's unique, it's set apart. Now, we got the part on our Sabbath where we say, okay, I'll go to church. It's the Lord's Day. And that is true. That is partially true. 
But it is not completely true in the sense that it is not just a day that is uniquely devoted and set apart for the Lord. It is a day that is also devoted to rest. Wouldn't it be cool if I said at this point, ushers, bring in the pillows, and for the remaining moments, I want you each to take a, an aisle, lay down, and rest for that. I'll just be quiet and let you rest. I want to encourage you to sometimes think outside the box. That you would find, with the Holy Spirit's leading, a way to make holy your Sabbath day. In other words, set it apart. Intentionally make it different. It may be uh, the distinction, we're, we're not going to put the television on, or I'm, all computers are going to be shut down and put away. The phone is going to be put in the closet. And we, we get nervous. Some of us are sweating already just hearing those words. We're, we're getting a little fidgety, like, did he say the phone? You know, uh, listen, we're living in a different universe, certainly than I grew up in. It's so much more, listen, we say it's much more connected, but we are so disconnected today relationally from people. You've seen it. Friends sitting in a room together texting each other. Can I invite you to please ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I want to keep the Sabbath holy. I want to honor you uniquely that day every week. But will you also teach me or us, whether you're alone or a couple or a family, will you also teach us not only to honor you, Lord, but to enter into rest so that our, do you know, I spoke about a triune God. We have been made in his image. We are triune. Your spirit and your soul are going to be alive a billion years from today because we have been made in God's image. Unique among all of his creation. When he made human beings, he said, I'm going to make you like me. Spirit, soul, and body. And I believe that Sabbath has not only to do with rest for our bodies. We're so aware of our bodies. But oh, we're so blind when it comes to our soul, which is our mind, our will, our intellect, our emotions, and our spirit that has been made eternal in the image of God. Let me tell you something. We're so aware of bodies that... We, we, we look in mirrors, we try to make sure, oh, am I okay, and this and that. I, I did something today, and I, by the way, if my wife is watching in South Carolina, my mother-in-law, I love you guys, and uh, thinking of you, praying for you. I've got like seven hairs, you know, I try to manage them well. Um, <laughs> so this morning, I, I kind of, you know, I washed my hair, and, and then I dried it with a towel, and then I put some some stuff in it and then I combed it and, and I was going back for a second swipe on this side 
And I looked and I put the, I put the comb down and I said, nope, I'm going to leave it messy. Now you can't even tell because there's like three of them over there. But I did that as a reminder to myself before getting in the truck to drive over here. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. We're made in his image. We're a mess. We're broken. But we're trying to make it through as best as he can and wants to enable us. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to just jump from there to the last one for the sake of time. Are you guys usually done around now? He's, he's not telling me. Anybody want to tell me? Are you usually done around now? All right, I'm going to take... Uh, we have donuts. All right, I have good news for you. It's not going to be donuts. We're going to have the Lord's Supper, the best meal you're going to have all day in just like in, in 10 minutes, okay? And le or less. Let's look at... So we've looked at creation. We've looked at manna. We want to look at the Lord's Supper, which we're about to partake of. John chapter 6, so when the crowd, and beginning at verse 24, when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went across Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, I just want, I just want to say as a side thought, and you'll notice he doesn't even answer that question. You know Why? because they didn't care what time he got there. They had no, it didn't matter to them when, they were just trying to engage in a conversation to get to what they wanted. So he, he ignores it, watch. They say, what time did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man came to, what's the next word? Give you. See, I'll answer the question. What do creation, manna, and the Lord's Supper have in common? They are all a gift to us from our Creator. You can't earn it. Listen, you can't be too bad that he doesn't want to give you that gift. And you can't be so good that you could ever say, Lord, no thanks, I don't need your work on Calvary. I got this. No, this is all God's gift that he has given to us. And then they replied, verse 28, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? That's religion right there. What should we do? How can I earn the Lord's favor? How can I ever be good enough? How can I ever think that he would desire me? Can I tell you something? You can't, but he does. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. And so verse 29, they told, Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe. Mm. <laughs> but we don't believe that. We don't believe that. 
See, if we can get this, this right, then following the Lord becomes much easier. All he wants you and me to do, the only work he wants from us is to simply say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are and that you have done for me what I could never do for myself. I believe. The Lord says that's the only work. Believe in the one that he has sent. And they answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? You know, listen, this is one day after Jesus took five barley loaves and two fish from a little boy and prayed a prayer that the Father would multiply them and fed 5,000 men plus their wives and children and had 12 baskets full left over when they were done. But yet they say to him, and they, they were there because remember they followed and went looking for him. But they're asking, Lord, show us a miracle and I'll believe you. How many times have we done that to the Lord? We don't understand his ways. We're confused, we're frustrated, we're perhaps angry of the ways of the Lord. But yet, we keep asking him, Lord, if you'll do this, then I'll believe you. If you'll do that, I believe you. And the Lord is trying to get to the heart of this story and this situation. He had just done that miracle. But they go on to say, and they bring up where we've been, verse 31, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, verse 32, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never thirst again. I heard about Jesus when I was very young. I don't remember clearly. I remember in a blur, but my dad tells me that one morning we were having family devotions. I was, I believe, uh, less than five years old. And when it came time to pray after they had read the scriptures, we would just read a few scriptures and then we would pray as a family. That was our daily devotion. It didn't take a long time. But on this one day, Forgive me. When it was time to pray, I said, Dad, can I climb up on your back while we pray? And you have to know, I kind of knew he would say no because it was like a holy moment, but I was surprised when he said, sure, Ray, come on. So I climbed up on my dad's back, and he tells me that as he was praying for the family, he felt these red-hot tears landing on his neck. And he realized, my little boy 
is sensing the presence of his heavenly father today. I don't know when Jesus wants to meet you, but I guarantee you he will. It may have been a long time since you've sensed his presence. He's very near. If we will just rest in him, receive what he has promised he wants to give us. If we will set apart time in our lives so that we are not only spending our energies on that which is perishable, but on that which is eternal, I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, we will not be thirsty and we will not be hungry anymore. Would you guys come back up and we're going to sing uh, a song. So uh, I'm going to do something a little different with you guys today. All right? Can I do that? Why, yeah. Can you imagine if you said no? You can't fire me. I, <laughs> I want you to take your communion elements, and I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand up. Now listen, as, as you're doing this, I'm going to tell you why I'm asking you to do this. And, I, and let's all stand. What I'm asking of you today is this. If you read through the scriptures, you'll find that so many times when the Lord was presenting himself to people in a new way, when he was wanting to do something in their life that was fresh and alive, he would always call for some response from them. And so today, as we're going to, in a moment, take communion, we're going to sing two verses of the song that you probably know, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But if you would, I'm going to ask for you to come and step out from where you are and come and stand as close together to the front of this room as you can. And your moving forward is going to be, not for me, but to the Lord. You're going to say, Lord, as I step out from my seat, I want you to know, I want your presence in my life. I want to live and walk in obedience to you. I want to spend my energy more on those things that are eternal than those things that perish. Of course we need food and clothing and all of these things. But you remember in Matthew 6, he said, even the Gentiles know that. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what was his promise? All these things will be added unto you. So if that's your desire this morning, I want you to just come and stand around this altar as we begin to sing. Make your way and stand real close, close to the front as you can. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest. Sun, moon, and stars in their course. Come on in real close, guys. to the Lord. Come on, sing it out.
Okay. Before we sing the second verse as the final one, bring it way down, guys. Um, I want to just say, uh, first I want to look at you. I've heard about you, but I've never met you before. It's great to see your faces. It's great to know who Life Tree is. You are a family in the Lord. I want to just say, Abba loves you. Don't ever forget it. He wants you. Don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. His word's alive. Sometimes we get so into studying. How about we just read it and let the Holy Spirit teach us? It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Make sure you're eating your spiritual food, manna day by day, manna day by day. You say, I've, I've read the Bible. Good, read it a hundred times more. He'll give you something fresh and new every day. The writer of this song, his last name was Chisholm. Um, I forget his first name. Was it? Thomas. Okay. He's a show-off, isn't he? Pastor Dan? He does. He, he lived in Vineland, New Jersey. And my grandparents lived in Vineland, New Jersey. And they were friends. They knew each other well. Brother Chisholm had a wife who was very, very sick. And my grandparents told us that it was during some of the most difficult days of her progressive sickness that the Lord gave to Brother Chisholm this song. Can you imagine? While he was caring for his sick and dying wife, the Lord gave him this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Listen, we're, we're on a journey only the Lord knows our times are in his hands. We can do our best, but he knows our last breath. But this isn't it, guys. We're on the way to home. We need his help. Oh, I need his manna. I need his rest. Sometimes we get weary, right? Our bodies, our emotions, we just get so, so weary. But there is a special rest that God has for his children. Enter in. Enter in. Receive it. And to the young people here, oh, you're, you're young, you're beautiful, you're immortal, right? No. <laughs> but I want to say to you, the next generation, because that baton is being handed, it's being passed to the next generation. I don't pray for you <clears throat> bigger and better churches or lights or sound systems or computers or more knowledge. I don't pray that for you. I pray that you will learn to know his presence in your life because that is going to take you through your life in his strength and in his power. Hallelujah. He loves you. Would you say these words? Jesus loves me. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> A 
strange. It's like, yeah, it's a little strange, but we need to be reminded of that. Now, we're going to sing the last verse, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to God. I'm going to tell you one more quick story. I know I lied. You're, you, don't be mad at him. Be mad at me. Um, this is it. And then, Pastor Dan, I want you to lead communion, okay? Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, it says. I was about 21 years old. I was married for about two years. My wife and I had just had our first child, Lindsay. And one day, out of the blue, it was like I was driving a car fast down a road and smashed into a wall. I was hit with a depression that was so debilitating that I couldn't eat. I lost every natural drive that a young man would have for his wife. There was nothing that was, it was like, it was total, total darkness, depression. And it lasted for almost a year. After about three days, my dad said to me, son, listen, I, I hate to say this, but you have to go back to work or, or else you're, you're gonna have to go somewhere to get some help. I chose to go back to work. I was driving for an oil company, MacArthur Oil in Newark, New Jersey. And I'm driving an oil truck, trying to make a living, trying to put bread on the table for my family. But there was no hope. I, I love to smile, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I would look in the mirror and think, this face will never smile again. But here's what I want to tell you. I didn't get the help that or is so helpful. Believe me, counseling is great. Help is great. Get the help. But back in that day, all I said, what I felt in my heart was, Lord, if your word is true, then there's hope for me. If it's not, the whole thing's a lie, and I don't care. I couldn't, felt like I couldn't pray. I used to take the Bible, and I would literally put it under my pillow at nighttime. I know it's kind of weird, but I mean, there was nothing. I just said, God, you got to help me. And one night, in the middle of the night, I was at work in a little uh, shed. I was helping unload these trucks of oil alone in a shed. What a great place for a guy in depression to be, right? Middle of the night, alone in a shed, freezing cold, went middle of winter. But it was like this. In a second, I sensed his presence. I had not for months. And I was startled, and I went, and I began to talk to the Lord. I said, Lord, I felt your presence. Thank you so much. That one instance of sensing my Abba's presence brought life to a dead body and mind. I was as good as dead. And from that, six months of just the Lord helping me to come out. I'm here to tell you, His presence, His eternal food, His rest is going to help you. I'll be 68 in a couple of weeks. I was 21 then. I'm still around. I'm smiling again. I'm, I'm happy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
the Lord help me to be to finish ministry after 40 years well this year I celebrate 49 years of marriage that poor woman I love you babe uh, and we're still going strong I want to say to you brothers and sisters he loves you he's going to help you he's going to give you what you need every day make sure you meet him again tomorrow for fresh manna from his living bread Let's sing it together, and then Pastor Dan's going to come. He gives a pardon for sin. ultimate act of love in the wedding yesterday Liz and Stephen were very very sure that they wanted to have communion as part of their service because their marriage was going to be founded on the principle that God loves them and everything is manna our forgiveness is manna everything is manna so would you just take the top bread out and let's just take a moment and thank the Lord for this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this small symbol of such a grand sacrifice that you gave your body for us. Lord, you are the bread of life. That's what you said about yourself. That this isn't, it's, it's symbolic of manna in so many ways. In creation, you said, I will give you food. Throughout history, you provided, whether it be manna in the wilderness, the abundance of the promised land, or throughout time, you have continued to provide for us. And then 
you said that you would be the bread of life. Lord, you have always been sufficient. You have always been everything that we need. It's always been enough. And what this reminds us today is that it will always be enough. Lord, this is all we need to believe. That's all that it comes down to, that we receive what you give. We say, God, I believe you for it. So that's what we agree together today here in this place. That's what we do as we take this. We're agreeing together, saying, amen. Let it be. We believe it. You are the bread of life. Would you join me in eating together? for us that Jesus paid the ultimate price with his life so that all of us standing here today gathered here today everyone listening everyone around the world we join it's not just our church here this isn't the church this is just the life tree campus there's people all over this globe in multitudes of languages today remembering that the Lord gave his life for us to confirm that it wasn't just talk. He meant it. It was worth his life. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this cup. Lord, it lets us know that the reason you have always given us manna, the reason you've always given us food is because you wanted to be in relationship with us. You wanted us to know how much you loved us, not just so that we'd know it, but so that we'd love you back. You don't make us. You don't force us. Lord, as someone once said, we're simply loved into loving. When we understand how much we're loved, how can we not love you back? That's what this cup represents. Supreme love. No greater love as anyone than that they would lay down their life for a friend. And Lord, you've laid down your life for us all. It's the greatest act of love. And Lord, today, as we receive this, as we drink together, what we're saying is, God, we love you back. It doesn't mean we're perfect at it, but it means we know how loved we are. We offer back to you the very best that we have. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Let's drink together. Sing that song one more time as our way of closing. What I'm going to ask is just to make it simple. Our ushers will be at the back with the baskets. If you'd like to drop your tithes and offerings as you leave, you can do that. Your connection card's in there. I'm going to ask Pastor Ray if you'll go first and head out there. People can greet you. Someone dismiss you first. You can head on out to the back. That way on their way out, they can greet you. So you can head to the back and uh, say hi to everybody. But we're going to close with just one more one more rendition of Great is Thy Faithfulness. I will not sing. You're welcome. My gift to you today. I'll, uh, I'll let the team sing and lead that. But let's just agree together. Great is our God. He's always faithful in every season.